is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. have pressed record and we are smack dab at the end of day one of the 2023 u.s open and i feel like i as creator of tuned into tennis and listeners of tuned into tennis may want some of my best effort put forth this u.s open (laughs) to like actually give the best coverage that i can and i feel like one way to do that is to give nightly slash daily recaps of what exactly is happening at this year's U.S. Open. And to start that off, I feel like what better person should I bring on to the show? Oh, and stop, who just man. who just happened to text me about the U.S. Open like we normally text about every other week <laughs> of the tennis season. I was like, why not bring Brian on? <laughs> hey, Brian, if you're an OG, if you're an OG, then you know Brian has been on this podcast. I've lost count. But we're here. At least three or four times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've talked the French Open, Australian Open, U.S. Open for sure. We haven't covered Wimbledon together, I don't think. That's true. But I was on the very first episode. You were. You were. We had a ball. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> All glad right, my to friend. Be back. How are you doing? Definitely glad to be back. I always tell my friends, like, the first day of a Grand Slam always feels like Christmas morning. So it's, it's always so like much. a nice, fresh start. It's so much. It feels like, especially today, I feel like today was a great, I mean, recency bias maybe aside, can you think of a really great opening day U.S. Open where it was just like, wow, this is going to be electric, unlike this one? Because this one felt that way. This one felt fresh and different. Mm -hmm. Um, It's weird because it is like the first Open without Serena, like Serena being evolved away from the game at this point. Yeah. Not like maybe kind of retire- retired, but like officially like two kids With, in two retired. Kids? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because I know I was kind of depressed, like thinking I wouldn't enjoy 
Grand Slams mm-hmm. as much without her, but I'm still excited. There's like, levels it's, of it's not the same drama, like right. not at all, but there's <laughs> levels to it. And exactly. Coco, Coco provided some of that tonight. Francis she did, did as well. Great job. Yeah, but we'll get into that. So actually, you know what? Let's let's start there. Let's work backwards because I think <laughs> in the in the little bit of notes I wrote down about like trending topics or stories that I had in my mind about day one of the U.S. Open is the night session, and Coco Golf was the. Uh, opening match of the night sessions at the U.S. Open this year, and she faced Laura Sigmund, and it was actually a very entertaining match to watch, but also very, very irritating. Both. (laughs) Both at the same time. (laughs) And I think that's due to her opponent, Laura Sigmund, bringing bringing heavy heaps of irritation. Heavy heaps of irritation. I was laughing because... Um, the one of the commentators, I forget which one, was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Don't they always saying like, "Oh, well, yeah, like they played a long point," or like, "Oh, it's it's kind of tiring." Like, I, I understand why she's going to her towel so much. <laughs> and then Chris Everett was like, "Well, she was doing it in the first set too, so was she really that tired?" Or it screams gamesmanship to me. <laughs> so I mean, that gave me a nice little chuckle. In the gamesmanship cat in the gamesmanship category, I don't know people that listen to this uh, show or maybe you are fans of like the messy tennis moment compilations <laughs> on YouTube. If you pay attention closely enough, Laura Sigamund features in those compilations more than the average person. I like mean, she's in quite yeah. a few. She's in quite a few, and it's similarly for the time she takes in between points and her arguing with the umpire about it or having some kind of tension between her and the competitor or her opponent. So like even going into the match, I knew it was going to be irritating. I actually think I right. called her, I think I called her irritating on my YouTube feature. I did the <laughs> other day when I previewed the U S open on talking tennis, the YouTube right. channel, but I mean, the I was right. I was I was definitely it's right. It's just so clear and blatant that she's just trying to abuse the rule to the best of her ability. And it's just like well, at a certain go ahead. For those that don't know, how would you describe the rule of pacing time between points in a tennis match? It is it is tricky because obviously it's different between when you're serving and when you're receiving. So for those who aren't aware, when you're serving, you have twenty-five seconds from when the point ends till when you have to toss the ball to start your next serve. Um, when you're returning, technically you're supposed you also have the 25 seconds, but you're supposed to play to the pace of the server. So if the server is ready to serve after 10 seconds, you're not supposed to be taking the full 25 seconds like it's time to go time, type of thing. So I mean, she was definitely intentionally slowing Coco down when she was trying to serve, like just going to her towel excessively like I get it if it's hot and humid and you're sweating a lot, but you shouldn't have to go to your towel after every single point. Um, and nor kept- were there points very long. And some of them were, were long and entertaining yeah. and athletic. But in the first set especially, Sigamoon was pressing the issue. She was up at net at least 20-something times in the first set, which right. is not something you see a lot. So I don't... It didn't look like she was gasping for air. It just looked like she was methodically trying to stretch out every single point. And to the point where in the second set, they had a 30-minute game, 
of deuce add deuce I add think it was deuce 26 add. minutes yeah yeah round up a little bit and add in some add in some of the time it takes for her to just even lean into her serve because she like <laughs> she's like fiddling with her racket she's twisting it up 180 or 360 degrees she's yeah. like extending both of her arms at the same time and like she has the slowest bow and arrow up into the ball i've ever seen and i think the chair empire was lenient with her brad gilbert said as extremely much extremely lenient brad gilbert said as much on twitter just a couple of minutes ago or so let's see if i can pull up what he tweeted he said i don't like to vent often but was so surprised shock emoji that, <laughs> <laughs> that umpire would not call time violation when player was consistently not having toss in the air well past zero sometimes <laughs> 10 to 15 seconds past after three ball rally was beyond ridiculous there's finally a comma in here comma finally a time violation in third set i was reading that aloud and i was like where are the periods like why are we in one long run-on sentence but that's besides the point i definitely agree like it took the chair empire forever to give a warning and a point penalty because it's like she was doing it from the very beginning Mm -hmm. and the fact that the commentators were making note of it like every single time it happened was just like obviously for the at-home audience we were like okay we get it already but like it was glaring how bad it was that second set was over 66 minutes, including the 26-something game. That yeah. is an indicator that for a 6-2 set, it usually is nowhere close right. to over an hour. And you already had a 20-something minute game, so that accounts for 40-something other minutes. Of she you literally added tennis. an hour to the match just with how much time she was taking. Yeah. Let's just be happy that she's out in the first round. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think there's ever a day I'm going to have to like need to give Laura Sigamund her flowers. So it won't start today. I'm just um, glad the socks are gone too. The, the, the high socks <laughs> and and remember when she was in that controversy at the French Open when she like let a ball double bounce. Oh yeah, chair umpire didn't say anything, but it was clear that it yes. it bounced twice. We don't yes. have to worry about that this year because you know there's that video review technology. I saw that. That's so that's a step cool. in the right direction. The U.S. Opens, U.S. We, Opens we being need that modern for matches, especially. <laughs> All right. Do you think? Well, speaking of, the, of step in the right direction, do you think this match, especially because Coco was tested and dropped that opening set, do you think it'll uh, propel her forward, moving I forward? I think so. I think it'll help, hopefully settle the nerves. Obviously, like there's very few players who play like Sigmund, so like mm-hmm. that's should hopefully settle her as well. Like she's had a tricky test and I forget who she plays in her second round. She plays somebody she played at the French. You mean Coco, right? Coco Coco plays Mira Andreva next. Oh, exactly. And they that played at the a, French Open. That should yeah. be a good one. That should be teenage, a good one. Teenage dreams in New York. That was a three-setter, three right? Yeah, that Mira Andreva took the first set in a tiebreaker, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. I think Coco will be ready for it. I mean, she got tested, so she should hopefully have fewer nerves and just go out there and play. But they always say it's tough playing someone younger than you because you feel like added pressure of like, oh, like that person can kind of just play freely kind of a thing. So mm-hmm. it should be good. But I think Coco will win in straight sets. Yeah. Uh, there were moments throughout the match tonight, even, oh, we didn't talk about this, even when she actively went to the chair empire and told her like, hey, like she made a big, that was like the longest I've ever seen her have. A, what is that? Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, my God. There's like this random bug that flew across my studio what the, did you see that i didn't see it no oh my god okay anyway um 
what was I saying? Oh yeah, Coco actually, that was the most I'd ever seen her kind of amped up about her being done wrongly in a match. Um, cause she was clearly ready to serve every time that Sigmund wasn't. And I, in that moment, it was nice to see the U S open crowd, like really rally behind her. Cause everybody it felt like was just being so over her taking so long to serve, uh, Sigmund on her, on her serve and even also holding up Coco. But she, she like, you know, she put herself together well, but what you could tell she was frustrated, you know, you know, what my favorite part of the match was, what? It was the end of the first game in the second set. And then Coco goes to the chair. Uh, she's not supposed to sit on after the first game. <laughs> it's but, that was the, but wasn't that the 26-something minute game? Though? It is. Yeah. Yeah, but that, it was just funny because, like, that is technically the rule. Like, obviously, right. after the first game, you're just supposed to, like, get something to drink and keep walking. You're not supposed to sit down. And mm-hmm. I laugh because, I, as you know, I play a lot of USGA tennis, and it's the same rule there. And some people try to... They don't know that you're not supposed to sit after the first game. You're not supposed to sit at all during a tie break. But some mm. people try to uh, milk it. Try to abuse that rule here and yeah. there. Um, yeah, I'm just you know, as, as the more I ponder on this, the more I'm just happy that Sigamund is out. And yeah, we'll see how many U.S. Open she has in her futures. Hopefully, Coco has way more than Sigamund. <laughs> um, okay, what else Hopefully. is on my agenda before? We, oh, uh, we talked about Mira Andre, but that's who Coco plays next. That definitely could be interesting. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure who Francis Tiafo plays next, but if I remember correctly, when I made his draw, he was in a, a small section of the draw that actually looked pretty advantageous for him. Like it, there it weren't looked really easy. <laughs> yeah, there weren't too many names on paper that I was just like, "Ooh, trouble, trouble," or potential threat i just was like okay he should be able to get through a couple rounds of this and his opening match today oh it's, guy, the, it's the austrian offner sebastian offner is who francis tiafo plays next the guy he plays today have you ever heard of him wasn't he also an american he's an american only 17 years old but okay. he had won kalamazoo two years in a row um interesting yeah but yeah learner tien uh, is he of like Asian descent? I'm guessing. From, I'm assuming from the name. I could be completely yes. wrong. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, he's from SoCal, fellow SoCal boy. We love to see it. Irvine or somewhere, somewhere in Orange County. I didn't see a lick of the match. Um, <laughs> yeah, wasn't my greatest moment this morning, but he's I got like good his... promise. He's a lefty. Oh, he's a lefty. He's no, a lefty. I'm, I'm going to go back and watch the highlights for that now. Yeah, thank you for telling me. <laughs> he's also like... a Troj- Trojan as well. A USC Trojan. Uh, okay. USC Trojan. And I think he just declared going pro like a couple weeks, months ago, something like that. Okay. Did yeah. you enjoy Tiafo's kit? It was cool. It was fresh. It was kind of a little reminiscent of the was it the australian one where it was like extra busy mm-hmm. but this one was just a toned down version of that mm-hmm. um but the style of it was cool too like it was like not quite a tank top not quite a sleeve it's like kind of a hybrid version mm-hmm. which was kind of like cool. it yeah it was very 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 good fit for him i like the fact that he's showing off how much fitter he is not that he was like not fit mm-hmm he just looks stronger and like willing yeah. to go to battle even more prepared than he used than he was maybe even two or three years ago. So mm-hmm. I think he's in an advantageous part of the draw. I think he has a little bit of pressure on him, definitely more so than last year because he comes in as a second highest seeded American behind Taylor Fritz. He's a top and, 10 player. And those points to defend. And those Sheesh. points to defend are hefty. Hefty. Um, hefty but i mean in my mind 
I guess I might as well just go out and say it. When I made my fantasy draw on the tennis app, guess who made the final? Tiafa? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he made the final. I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna pull out my phone and go through the ins and outs of like how I got him there. I just know he got there. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> to face Carlos Alcaraz, actually. And oh. I would love to I would love to see a rematch of that semifinal in a final this year. Cause that would be a really fun, really fun rematch. I'd be down for it. Um, so are you down to talk about some of the people who did not get wins today? At the U.S. Open. Let's go for it. Uh, you want to sw- switch over to the women or stick with the men? Uh, let's go with the men because I feel like there were a lot of men's upsets today. <laughs> yes. I think the highest one by far was the loss of the tournament's number four seed, Holger Runa, <laughs> which yeah. I got to be honest, even though he didn't come in with good form, yeah. I still didn't see him losing to Carabas Baena, who definitely not who doesn't make his money on a on a hard court that often definitely and not. i in four sets as well like none of the sets being truly competitive or to a tie break or even five five all in the in the set that's that's not good was it Stan that called him a baby or stop acting like a baby? It was definitely Stan Wawrinka. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a little bit more of that. I think mm. he let his court assignment just get to his head. And I feel like mentally he just was not there. Why do you, as a competitor, because if you're, if you're not familiar and listening to this, Brian is referring to the tweet he put up maybe less than 24 hours before his match started, right. basically inferring that he wasn't happy with being put on court five for his opening round match, even as the four seed. It was, but it was laced in sarcasm because <laughs> it said he, he posted a U.S. Open site map. He said, U.S. Open site map, in case you can find court five, this is where I play my first match Monday Followed by 11 a.m. I guess he meant starting at 11 a.m. Hashtag see you. I love my fans. I love your support. And like you could just, for whatever reason, knowing who he is, it felt like it was dripping in sarcasm. Did you get right. that vibe when you saw it or heard that? Oh, it was 100% sarcastic. <laughs> um, he also, I guess, talked about it in his post um, press conference or whatever. Oh, really? He did? And he said he did ask the people, the directors, for an explanation. And basically they were just saying like, oh, like, you know, you're trying to put a lot of Americans on the big courts, but as they should. Yeah. But to be fair, I still think it was a pretty tough court assignment. Well, well, let's look at the people who had court assignments on the bigger courts. Arthur Ashe was opened up with Suyatek, world number one, Mm -hmm. defending champion. She won in like less than an hour over Rebecca Peterson. Oh, and just to clarify, I'm not even saying put him on a show court. I'm just saying put him on a better court than court five. <laughs> because, I mean, court five, For I mean, I know if you haven't been to the U.S. Open, in my opinion, that's probably the worst court to play on. Only because <laughs> it sits right in the middle of two other two small other courts. courts yeah. And people are constantly walking by. Like, during mm-hmm. points, like, there's just... There's no, like, for me, I wouldn't mind it because I'm always looking around and, like, little things since I don't bother me. But Mm -hmm. for someone who, like, maybe needs to concentrate, like, it's an impossible court to concentrate on. I'm maybe calling BS because two years ago in 2021, Holger Runa was bounced out of the U.S. Open in the first round by Novak Djokovic. And most of his season was playing challengers. So... 
True. The guys, like, he's not that far removed from having to play on outside courts, is my point. So, like, to go from that to, yes, I'm number four in the world, but you also don't have a great trajectory of playing well at this tournament. And yeah. your season has not been bad at all. His season's actually been pretty good. But, like, your momentum coming into the U.S. Open has not been stellar. So, like, what else do you want us to do when we're looking at a schedule that features three-time former finalist Victoria Azarenka, a former champion in Sloane Stevens, world number one Novak Djokovic, Coco Gauff, Francis Tiafo. Like, those are names I would have put on the show court ahead of him every single day of the week. Maybe he could have got court right. 17. Because court 17 at the U.S. Open is nice. We, we've been there before. I like Yeah, court 17, 17 would be would have would have been a much better option. Or even like a court 7, like where we saw like Osigwe and uh, was it Baptiste playing doubles together? That wasn't 17. No, seven. Court seven. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. Because, like, at least... Was, at it, least... was it Baptiste in Osigwe that lost to Tom Yanovich and Kennan when we were Something sitting like there? That. Oh, was, yes. was it just me? Was it, was it you and I, or was it just yeah, me? Yeah, we were there. Okay. We were there. So, like, even a court like that where, like, you don't have, like, people literally walking by mm-hmm. on every single point. Yeah. And, like... And from because for me it's not even the size of the court. It was just the fact that there's no barrier. So, like, you literally just have... Mm-hmm people walking on every single court because um because at least in a challenger you don't have people walking walking through your court on every single point but what about okay what about him getting attention from fans during practices like sometimes fans are loud and clapping and stuff during practices he's been at the right. u.s open for a full week i don't know i just i'm, I'm trying to find a level of empathy for him because i'm not a complete asshole but at the same time you're a professional you're young you have a lot ahead of you why focus yeah. on that like why focus on your court assignment when you could have totally. when you could have beaten somebody with I mean, for all intents and purposes, that was a good draw. Like, yeah. Like, I don't understand walking away and being like, well, I'm number four seed and I got court number five. Well, go play your tennis match and shake hands as the victor. So the next time you play, maybe they're like, okay, well, we forgot about Holger Rune. Let's put him on Lewis Armstrong or something. Like, Hey guys, if you're enjoying today's episode, please take a look at the episode description, support the growth of the show by grabbing a coffee from the link, and while you're at it, be sure to engage with Tuned Into Tennis on social networks. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook is where you can find us. Leave a review if you like what you're listening to so far, and let's get back to the show. Yeah, It's sports, it's sports. And then on top of that, the names on Court 17, I guess this is a good segue, were names that are more accomplished and names that people have an affinity for than Holgaruna. Uh Maria Sakari. <laughs> mm-hmm. She opened up court 17. Casper Rue was on 17. Tommy Paul was on 17. And Petra Kvitova was on 17. All four names I probably would have put ahead of Holgaruna, I guess, maybe. Or at least they have a they yeah. have a they have a fighting chance to be like on a court assignment higher than what Holgaruna's on. I guess. And I guess it wasn't just that, because I guess it says he did have he was bothered with a lower back issue and a sore knee. So with, Holgaruna was? Yeah. So with okay. with it's, that, it makes sense then. If he compounded was, issues. Yeah. Um Maria Sakari on court seventeen lost her opening round match to Rebecca Rebecca Masarova. Um, you might remember Masarova as somebody that uh, Coco Golf beat in Auckland at the beginning of the year and also beat again, I believe, at the French Open, if you're trying to be familiar with who that name is and what she plays like. But Maria Sakari, I mean, what can we say? I mean, she's, I don't know if you heard, but she said she's considering taking a break from tennis. I mean, 
if I had been to like 35 semifinals and only won like six of them, I might want to take a break too, actually. <laughs> I mean, because they the tour is tough. It's brutal. Like It is. It is. And she looks physically ready for it most of the time because she's like an athlete. She looks like an athlete. I'm just not sure if the expectations of being an athlete that performs at the elite level is something that she's all that comfortable with. And it takes a special person to be able to not only be athletic, but also take the pressures of being the most athletic in the room. And I'm not sure she's able to like handle that. And it's tough because you can't really predict it. Cause like we mentioned, she just made the finals of a 500 tournament in Washington yeah. DC a couple weeks ago. So you would think like, oh, okay, so she has some confidence. She'll be able to some level of form. <laughs> do something against someone who's ranked what seventy something in the world, but just nothing today. So maybe a, maybe a break will be will do her good, and she can come back fighting. Because I like Sakri, so hopefully she can find her She's winning cool. ways. I think yeah. I, I agree. She's cool to root for, but maybe she needs to take a break and and smoke whatever she was smelling on the courts today. Um. <laughs> Because she complained of smelling weed on court 17. Oh, she did. And I mean, yeah, you didn't see that? No, I missed that part. She like they asked her. I think she was complaining about it to the chair during the match. And they asked her about it in the press conference. And that kind of led to like the lane of her being like, oh, it's not an excuse. But I'm trying to find myself on the court and maybe I should take a break. And she kind of like broke down a little bit, which I feel for. But also, um yeah, I'm not really sure where to where to where to put her. I, and I feel like I wouldn't feel as um, inclined to be frustrated with Maria Sakari if she wasn't in the top ten. Like you know, I'm a still non-top- shocked that she's in the top ten, just considering see, all the early see? losses that she's had. <laughs> I mean, she lost first round of three majors this year, and she's but she did 10. make a she made a semifinal of Indian Wells and Madrid, and then that final of DC. You know, I guess, I guess that, that kind of off- yeah, I, I guess, guess that kind of offsets it, and she still has. She still has finals points from Guadalajara last year, which was a one thousand, and That's she true. made the she made the year ending championships last year. You know, you accrue points like you. I think you might get close to like winning the same amount of points you would at a two fifty just for winning a round robin match, one round robin match. So That's something true. like that. So you get you get a decent chunk of points when you get go there and qualify and compete. So yeah back to the drawing board for miss miss bun maria sakari <laughs> um somebody else that needs to meet her at the drawing board i believe is felix Auger aliasim um yeah all, although, his is slightly different because he has injuries that he's dealing with mm-hmm. but once his injuries are healed he probably still needs a little bit of drawing board at the same time yeah i don't think he's been completely honest about how much the injuries have been affecting his game. And I think he's just trying to push through. And because he's trying to push through the losses compared to the wins have kind of added up a little bit more than they, they did last year. And all right. of that is maybe compounding into a loss of form, but right. uh, it's not looking great. But at the same time, Mackenzie McDonald has been playing better tennis than Felix. Augier's he like the past month. So he's had some great wins. Yeah. And if you don't remember Mackenzie McDonald, he's the last person to beat Rafael Nadal. At the Australian Open. Remember that? I do. I do. He, that was a big win. The, yeah, that was Nadal's last match. <laughs> and Mackenzie McDonald beat him. <laughs> but he, yeah, I, I mean, hope, you know, I hope, asterisk I hope a little Felix bit, can, get, can definitely get 100% healthy. And like you said, just be – sometimes it's better to just take time off than just keep taking these first-round losses. It's like if you're not going to go deep, 
like don't win. That I mean, don't enter. That was always one of my favorite Serena quotes. Is like, if I'm here, that means I'm think that I can win the whole thing. And it's like Felix is going to these tournaments knowing he can't win the whole thing, but just like, oh, here I go. I might as well just try to win a win a match or two or something. It's just like, bro, you're not healthy. You know, I didn't think about it that perspective because I was having this kind of disagreement or maybe I shouldn't say disagreement discussion on my Twitter spaces earlier. Shout out to Ty for bringing this conversation up because he was more on your end of things. Like if you're not if you're not competing well, if you're not feeling well physically, then you should take a break. Just stay my home. Thought process, yeah, I see that now. But my thought process at the time was just like if he let's say he is actually healthy and it's more of like tactics, mentality and like. Uh, confidence that's affecting his game you can't rebuild those things necessarily off the court you kind of have to fight through you have to fight through playing like crap to get to the better level you know there's no there's no real um you can't like switch out the suffering you need to have to go through to get better if, if that means you know so I'm not sure where he falls on that spectrum of like needing to have to suffer through a rough patch or just kind of yeah. eject from the tour. I'm not sure where he feel, falls on that, but something is going to have to shake up. I think if he wants to get back into the conversation of like competing with Alcaraz and Sinner and Runa and stuff like that, and being amongst those names, like people feel like he should. Mm-hmm. Well, before we wrap up, cause these are going to be. Oh, another quicker. player in that same boat is maybe not to the same extent would be Corda for me. Cause like, Oh yeah. We didn't mention Sebastian Corda. Yeah, Corda he's also been dealing with a lot of injuries this year. Like he had a great Australian open. And then since then was kind of just like meh results, but I know he's been dealing with a lot of injuries. So it's just like, do you just try to fight through these injuries just to accumulate money and ranking points? Or do you take a couple more weeks off so that you're like fully healthy so that when it comes down to these bigger tournaments that you're actually like fresh and healthy because he he hasn't like alluded to real like injuries being a huge hindrance but like he clearly is injured still so it's just like and he he hurt his wrists and wrists can be very tricky we see that with the dominic team arc of his career which he got a win today he got a win over a seated player alexander bublik that was Fun fact, his, that was his first what? hardcore win of the year dominic team and has that was not- his one of a hard court match this entire year. That was his first win at the U.S. Open since winning it in 2020. That's crazy. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that because I don't think in 2021, I think 2021 he couldn't he couldn't defend, and in 2022 he was definitely far and above away from his level. And now we're in 2023. And Although the stat that I just said is it's kind of misleading because. He after Wimbledon, he like pretty much only played clay court tournaments after Wimbledon. I mean, because his ranking is so low, like <laughs> right. I mean, so it's like if he and, if and, he and that's where he's comfortable. Court, so. If he played more hard court, he would have won a hard court match by now. But like, he just loves to play on the clay because such a gotta such pay the a, bills. I don't know. <laughs> that's such an interesting story. Like the whole career arc of Dominic Team. I just did not see this kind of um, poor form following him for that long. But we'll yeah. see. We'll see if it ever clicks back on for him. Okay, a big so, win over Bublik. That's a, that's a huge win. Yeah, that's a big win. That's a big win. So let's. Uh, did you watch any of the uh, fifty years of equal prize money ceremony on Arthur Ashe between? I did not Coco get Golf. to that because yeah. yeah, during Coco's match, I had to run and go play tennis myself. So I just got back <laughs> from tennis. well. Laura Sigamund gave you plenty of time to work with, didn't she? Yes, but I will watch it. <laughs> 
I have all everything recorded, so I'll watch it later tonight or tomorrow. It was it was interesting. I feel like the impact of Michelle Obama speaking was great. Um, I think the impact of just seeing people celebrate 50 years of equal prize money is great as well because there's literal tournaments leading up to the U.S. Open that don't give out equal prize money, a.k.a. Cincinnati. Most of them. A- yeah, a.k.a. Cincinnati, <laughs> D.C., and the tournaments in Canada do not pay the women and men the same amount, even though they're all playing best of three sets and sharing the same venues, except Montreal and uh, Toronto are, you know, obviously same week, just different times. But, you know. Yeah. Um. So that's not that's not a good thing. But I think, like Michelle Obama alluded to in her speech, like the only way to get to more equity is to keep talking about the inequity and how we can fix that. And there's she mentioned literal literal tournaments on the tour that are not playing paying these payers these players the same. And the U.S. Open has been doing it for fifty years now, which makes you question what is everybody else waiting on? <laughs> it's a tricky discussion. I would mm-hmm. say the it's tricky in the sense of like it doesn't. Like, it's not the tournaments. Well, for some tournaments, it's the tournament's decision on if it's equal pay. Like, for the Grand Slams, I think it is. But for the other tournaments, it's not up to the tournaments if they decide if they give equal play or not. It's up to the tours. So a lot of people always put the WTA under fire just based on, like, they're not, they're, like, a mismanaged organization, which I don't know if there's truth to that or not. That's a whole other discussion. But basically they're saying like the WTA needs to do a better job of like getting those um, sponsors to like make it so that they do have equal pay. Cause like I know the, the only solution that a lot of the top guys have said, like I've heard, I know Federer has said this and Murray has said it. The only way to get to equal prize money is to have the ATP and the WTA merge. The, mm. It has to be just one tour. As long as there's two tours, they'll never have equal prize money everywhere. That's just the case mm. because I'm pretty sure it's the tours that negotiate with the sponsors to determine what the prize money is going to be. So if the WTA isn't able to amass enough money in sponsorships, that's that's the reason why the prize money is such a disparity. It's not because Cincinnati is like, in the past and they just don't like women it's i don't think it's cincinnati's choice at all i think it's literally just wta so i think that's pretty much the only solution that most people seem think is most viable is that the wta and the atp need to merge so that Mm -hmm. it's just one collective body can like make that decision and that collective body is the one that's negotiating with the sponsors all fair points brian all fair and a lot to think about if you're listening to this because i'm thinking about that as I'm listening to you, but then you look at the figures and see that somebody like for a prime example, Coco golf winning Cincinnati, she got around 400 K and Novak Djokovic got over 1 million for winning Cincinnati. Same, same tournament, same venue, same balls, same ticket. Cause the tickets don't say, Hey, come to Novak Djokovic's match. It says come to right. this session, which includes a match of Djokovic that you don't even know is going to finish to be, to be honest. Cause you take a chance anytime you play a tennis match. So, um, there's that, but that's a whole different discussion. Like we've talked about, we'll circle back to that on another episode one day about the inequities of the ATP and WTA tour. Cause it, it keeps, it keeps coming up. Yeah. It keeps coming up. <laughs> um, so let's look ahead to tomorrow day two slash night two of the U S open. Um, Medvedev and Pagula feature on Ash during the day session. And Pagula's got a Carlos tough match Alcaraz. Too. Pagula. Yes. Pagula Georgie. plays 
Camilla Georgie, and they've had an interesting head-to-head. I think a bunch of their matches have gone three sets. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I should have looked this up or put it in my notes. Medvedev plays odds are somebody I've never heard of. Um, yes, he plays... Let's see if I can pronounce this name. I'm not I'm usually not terrible, but this is somebody from Hungary, Mr. Attila Balaz. We're, mm. Maybe. Somewhere in the ballpark of that. I've never heard of that <laughs> name before or never seen him play. So sorry to that man. And Medvedev is going to be on the hunt for another deep one at the U.S. Open, which I think he oh, has wow. in him because he is a, he's a hardcore specialist, remember? <laughs> Exactly. Um, I didn't realize. Do you have any? Do you have any expectations about Pagula? Sorry, I'm just shocked that they've played each other since like the ITF, right? Has Um, it been like all the way back to the ITFs? Let me see. It says that Pagula leads to eight to two. Um, this dates back to 2011. Yeah, 2011. That's crazy. Carson. Oh yeah, these must be these must be uh and they played at the French Open, but Georgie retired after the end of the first set this year. And they played at Indian Wells this year, and Georgie won the first set before Pagula came back and won the second and third, six one, six two. Most of their matches so have been in one thousands, pretty much. But but Pagula has won the last one, two, three, four, five in a row. So that's true. Um yeah, I think Pagula is still the favorite, but it could get tricky because Georgie's just tricky in general, right? And outside of the retirement, the, the three before that were all three setters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it could, yep. be a, could be a tricky one. For sure. Carlos Alcarez and Venus Williams feature in the night session on Ash. Venus Williams opens up uh, the session facing qualifier Greet Menon in a very interesting twist of, like, life fate, like we talked about in our text messages, Brian, oh, about yeah. Greet Menon. Greet Menon being the ex-girlfriend of the player <laughs> that Venus lost to in the first round last year, right. Miss Allison Van Udvank. Yeah. Right. So now she's now she's going out for revenge, I guess. <laughs> and and Carlos Alcarez follows up that match um, against Dominic Kupfer, a lefty who I know used to play tennis at Tulane University in New Orleans. So sure I hope he... I hope he puts on a good show, but ultimately Carlos Alcaraz should win that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Anj Jabor will be on Louis Armstrong opening that up in the day session. I think she is still in the process of shaking off that Wimbledon final. What do you What do you think about Anj Jabor? I definitely agree. Um, I think this tournament will be nice for her because she can somewhat fly under the radar because everyone's talking about Iga, mm-hmm. Coco, Pagula, Sabalenka. Uh, Rabakina, like those are like mm-hmm. the first five that everyone's talking about. So hopefully that will take the pressure off of her and she can kind of just like coast and maybe like mm-hmm. make a deep run and like not feel the pressure. But yeah, I think she's definitely still feeling that Wimbledon, Wimbledon loss because I mean, she's lost three finals now. So got a sting, but I still believe in Miss Anjabor. I believe in, mm-hmm. I believe in, isn't, doesn't she have a nickname? The Minister of Happiness. Yes. The Minister of Happiness. That's what they call her. I'm, I'm, I'm still rocking with the Minister of Happiness. Um, maybe the opposite 
the opposite of the Minister of Happiness um, plays tomorrow. And I'm referring to Mr. John Isner, who's announced to the world that he is retiring from tennis. And between, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, Brian, but I'll speak for me in that and saying that we cheered. That's all I'll say. We cheered. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I forgot another thing to look. Well, I guess it's not technically tomorrow, but just a plug for two days from now is. Uh, mm-hmm. Wozniacki versus Kvitova second round match that was set up because they both won their first round matches so they'll be playing on Wednesday 2010 realness 2010 realness realness. (laughs) that'll be be, that'll be interesting for sure okay well that wraps up our conversation about the opening day of the 2023 US Open thanks Brian for hopping on of course. Um, any any parting thoughts that you can think of before oh, you get thing, ready to go to the U.S. Open? <laughs> one thing that I was reminded of is that I am old now because Andy <laughs> Roddick won the U.S. Open 20 years ago. Literally. And that feels like five years ago for me. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm really 32. And he, he won that 20 years ago. And I feel like yeah. that's another big thing that all the commentators are pushing is it's been 78 majors since a since american has won a title and they're just really pushing so hard for the american men especially um to finally break through again so we'll see if they can do it hopefully they do but uh we'll see how it goes well, it's only going to be one, and it'll be interesting to see which man that is gets to yeah. the first to hold the trophy of a, of a slam since Roddick in 2003. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, but we'll be watching. Hopefully somebody can get close this year. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll be watching. Fingers we'll be watching. crossed, Tiafo. Come on. Fingers crossed. <laughs> right, right, right. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned for the next episode which will obviously be about day two thank you for listening make sure to share this with your friends that are either going to the u.s open or watching the u.s open at home uh share this on your socials go to tuned into tennis on facebook instagram twitter the whole shebang and interact with us throughout <laughs> the two weeks of threads are, US are you open. on threads yet <laughs> can't do threads yet not <laughs> I, I i'm stretched thin as it is Brian. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. All right, guys. Take care. Until next time. Talk to you later. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.